Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, October 22nd, and this is your FT News Briefing. A warning that Iran and Russia were attempting to influence American voters. Tesla continues to surge, riding high on regulatory credits, and a big U.S. public pension fund is voicing concerns about the founder of Apollo Global Management and his ties to the late pedophile Jeffrey Epstein. Plus, our West Africa bureau chief will unpack what's been going on in Nigeria and how protesters have reacted to government crackdowns. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Foreign actors are trying to influence the November 3rd U.S. election. That's according to the top U.S. intelligence official during an impromptu press conference last night. Here's U.S. National Intelligence Director John Ratcliffe. We have confirmed that some voter registration information has been obtained by Iran and separately by Russia. Ratcliffe said Iran had sent emails designed to intimidate voters, incite unrest, and damage Donald Trump. He said Iran also distributed a video that implied individuals could cast fraudulent ballots, even from overseas. Ratcliffe said there had not been any similar actions by Russia. Despite the warnings, Ratcliffe remained confident about election security. Even if the adversaries pursue further attempts to intimidate or attempt to undermine voter confidence, know that our election systems are resilient and you can be confident your votes are secure. Tesla got snubbed last month when it wasn't included in the S&P 500 index, even after meeting the quarterly profit qualifications. But the electric car company is certainly building its case. Tesla yesterday reported its fifth straight quarterly profit. You need four consecutive quarterly gains to be eligible for the S&P 500. Net profit for Tesla rose 131%. Now, a big reason for that? The sale of regulatory credits. These are the zero-emission credits that Tesla gets from governments. Tesla then turns around and sells these credits to other car makers, and they accounted for nearly $400 million in revenue. Last quarter, these credits were the main reason Tesla ended up in the black, even though there were expectations for a loss. And then there were the cars themselves. Tesla expects to deliver half a million in 2020. That's a company record. Tesla shares were up nearly 3.5% in after-hours trading yesterday. The fallout from the Jeffrey Epstein sex trafficking scandal continues, this time hitting billionaire Leon Black and the private equity group he founded, Apollo Global Management. More details about Mr. Black's connections to Epstein have emerged in the past week, and now it's causing headaches for Apollo. Here to explain is the FT's private capital correspondent, Kay Wiggins. Kay, what have we learned about the connection between Black and Epstein? So a bit of context to start, Apollo is one of the world's biggest private equity groups. So last week, in the wake of a story in the New York Times, Leon Black confirmed to Apollo's investors that he had paid millions of dollars to Jeffrey Epstein in the years after Epstein was convicted of soliciting sex from a minor in 2008. Then on Tuesday this week, Apollo said it had hired an outside law firm to review the relationship between the two men. Now, it's important to stress at this stage that Apollo says the organisation itself hasn't done any business with Epstein, and also just to stress that Mr. Black hasn't been accused of any inappropriate behaviour or wrongdoing. So, Kate, has there been any fallout surrounding the revelations around Mr. Black's relationship with Epstein? 
Yeah, so the latest news is about a US pension fund which invests in Apollo. It's called the Pennsylvania Public School Employees Retirement System, or PISAS for short. So although you might not have heard of PISAS, it's actually one of the biggest backers of private equity firms in the world. So we broke the news yesterday that PISAS has spoken to Apollo about Leon Black's links to Jeffrey Epstein and decided to halt any new investments in its funds at this time. Now, this is a big deal because although PISAS has only invested a relatively small amount with Apollo itself, the fact that it's such a large contributor to private equity funds means that a lot of people watch what it does. Big picture, Kay, what does this say about how seriously investors are taking this now and how damaging could it be for Apollo? What's interesting about this is that a lot of other large North American pension funds that invest in Apollo have so far stayed silent, at least in public, about the links between Mr. Black and Jeffrey Epstein. But now we've got, in addition to the pieces move, we've got three smaller European pension funds saying in our story that they are asking questions about the Epstein links, though not saying that they're suspending investments. What's changing here is that So last year, when some stories emerged about Leon Black's links to Jeffrey Epstein, Leon Black said at that point that it was not affecting his relationship or Apollo's relationship with its investors. That is clearly no longer the case. It's clearly now the concerns are having an impact on Apollo itself. Kay Wiggins is the FT's private capital correspondent. Thanks, Kay. Thanks, Mark. Now, turning to unrest in Nigeria. Eyewitnesses have said soldiers in Lagos fired on activists protesting police brutality. Dozens of people have been injured and several have been reported dead. People have been protesting for weeks against the Federal Police Special Anti-Robbery Squad. Here with me now is the FT's West Africa Bureau Chief, Neil Munchi. Neil, Lagos is Africa's most populous city, 20 million people. What exactly led us to this moment? So uh, a couple weeks ago, a video went viral of a young man allegedly being killed by SARS agents in Nigeria. And it sort of sparked this hashtag and SARS in in an outpouring of young Nigerians telling their own stories of being harassed, extorted, tortured, killed by agents of the state. And that caught fire around the world, but it also brought young Nigerians out into the streets in Lagos, in the capital Abuja, and in cities around the country, protesting in a way that Nigeria rarely sees. President Muhammadu Buhari, in slightly surprisingly, pretty quickly agreed to their main demands, which was to dissolve SARS and enact a series of police reforms, including psychological evaluations, retraining, and raising the wages of officers who can make as little as $50 a month so that they aren't forced or rather enticed to extort people, extort bribes in order to make ends meet. But Nigerians have been here before. The last few years, SARS has been disbanded or renamed or dissolved or reforms have been promised repeatedly, but nothing has fundamentally changed about the way they operate. So the protests continued and in fact grew. So protesters gathered at this place called the Lekki Tollgate in the heart of Lagos when things turned violent on Tuesday. What happened? On Tuesday, the governor announced a curfew at pretty short notice. Some protesters decided to stay uh, when the curfew was going to be enacted. And then, you know, social media blew up with videos 
of gunfire and what appeared to be men in uniform. What many eyewitnesses said were soldiers firing on the protesters. And that kind of led into Wednesday's proper unrest, which is when we saw buildings being burned, stores being looted, armed groups of young men uh, setting up checkpoints to extort people, that kind of thing. Now, Neil, police brutality is the main issue here, but there are layers of frustration boiling over in Nigeria, right? So this is about police brutality, but it takes place in this backdrop of frustration, right? So the Nigerian economy is quite weak and has been for a number of years. It's just entered its second recession in about five years on the back of the oil price crash due to the pandemic. 63% of Nigerians aged 18 to 35, so young Nigerians, are unemployed or underemployed. You know, food prices are rising. There there are very few jobs. So there is this undercurrent of frustration. Um, Is there any indication that this unrest will slow down anytime soon? And are there any signs of compromise? It's really hard to say what happens next. I think, you know, the unrest that's unfolding on the streets of Lagos right now are in a way disconnected from the protest. These, you know, no one who is burning down a building or walking around armed is holding up a placard or chanting NSARS, you know? I don't think the movement of protesters trying to end police brutality and get the government to enact meaningful reforms and concrete change is going to end anytime soon. Neil Munchi is our West Africa Bureau Chief. Thank you, Neil. Thanks so much. Before we go, you wanted to say goodbye to Quibi. The short-form video group is shutting down only six months after launching. Jeffrey Katzenberg's $1.8 billion bet was meant for millennials on the go, but he says coronavirus put an end to those plans. Content-hungry viewers will just have to settle for options on Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, HBO Max, Amazon Prime, Apple TV, NBC's Peacock, an unfathomable number of hours of video on YouTube, and good old-fashioned cable TV. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news.